Hey, you big beautiful babies. It's your best friend, Kane Porkchop Daniel. Before we start, um, I just wanted to let you know that we're running a Christmas competition uh, wherein you can win uh, some coffee and a mug from our friends at Everyday Coffee. And also about the best goddamn Christmas ornament you've ever seen, handmade by the incomparable Seb Seabass Godfrey. To see what I mean when I say that, head to our Instagram at Deja Review Podcast, uh, where you'll also find all the details on how to enter. And now, here's the episode. Hello and welcome to the Deja Review podcast, where a group of film lovers get together and discuss a cult or a classic film that one or more of them has watched for the very first time. I'm Mike Cairns. As always, I'm joined by Pain. 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 Porkchop Daniel. Hello, I'm John Hugs. Seb Seabass Godfrey. I am Uncle Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's just an OG3 episode this time. No ding dongs in the fourth seat. No. uh, And um, and look, before we get into the film uh, Mm. that we're going to talk about, is uh, we're going to talk about something, well, (laughs) probably something less problematic than what we're about to talk about. Uh, There's nothing problematic about Uh, drinking drinking every day coffee. Do you have a coffee every day? I have a coffee every day. I have a coffee every day. What coffee do you have every day? The good coffee every day. I mean, sorry, everyday coffee. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yet, yeah, Seb, I know you. You just said you have coffee every day, but when you when you drink it, what coffee do you have? Uh, I I have a coffee every day. I have an everyday coffee. Yeah, no. God damn it, Seb! I'm asking, what kind of coffee do you drink every day? Can you just clean the shit out of your ears? Because I I'm telling you now, I have. Every, a coffee every day, everyday coffee. Sam. <laughs> oh. oh, everyday coffee. Do you mean everyday coffee on Johnson Street? Right. Mm. Have you? And can I also ask? Wait, are they just on? Just open on the weekend? No, they're open every single Other day. day. No. Every single day from like 7.30 or some ridiculous hour. Oh. So you can get in there early. And the other thing I've noticed mm. is, and I don't know if it's some weird hiring policy, but everyone there. He's really good looking. (laughs) He's really good looking. He's just like gorgeous. Not only are they really good looking, they fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe we... uh, John Hughes in the corner. It's great Mm. coffee. Um, And on on a different note, I want to ask, uh, who's on first? Who's on first? Yeah. Well, you know, that was was the whole bit we were doing every day, coffee, who's on first. Laurel and Hardy, look it up. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on right now. You know the who's on first bit? I don't Laurel know. And, no, I don't know. No. That. Not, I don't know on, Laurel and Hardy. But you know that comedy bit, who's on first, what's on second? It's a famous fucking comedy bit. It's Laurel and Hardy and and like and one of them, I don't know Laurel and Hardy very well either, but he's saying <laughs> it's who's on first and the gag is that the person on first is called who. You know what's nothing, oh. what isn't, is no, there's nothing funnier than someone telling something funny. Is someone describing another comedy bit okay. on the radio? <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, you like that? You like that? It feels good, doesn't it? 
<laughs> this is the good. longest dad dream uh, in the world. Anyway, coffee. Coffee, no. Coffee. Uh, look, um, the uh, the guys at Everyday Coffee uh, are our uh, first actual sponsor, um, real sponsor. And um, yeah, so Johnson probably, Street in Collingwood. Not anymore. <laughs> well, after yeah, this. after, tell you what, we've done a pretty good job after what second. Great. Yeah, it is good. I yeah. think we've done really well. Um, uh, but um, yeah, get down to Everyday Coffee because it is. Delicious. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will say completely sincerely, I have my I have my mocha master at home and and my uh, my grinder and I and I drink everyday coffee mm, every day. They, it's they, delicious. They make they, they uh, roast delicious beans mm. and, uh, and they that's make no shit. They <laughs> <laughs> know how to make a proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee cup. <laughs> a proper copper coffee pot. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to. Uh, Look, we we decided to choose a movie that none of us have seen. Which I think is funny that we, it's kind of weird that none of us had seen, or it's kind of rare that none of us had seen a film. Yes. Like the planets had aligned on something pretty large and it's kind of mm. in, in, it's in the. It's I think in, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most important films of the 80s. <laughs> um, well, I mean. Kind of. Yeah, kind, kind of. of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're, to, we're <laughs> let's, let's. Uh, Open the kimono. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's that's a it's, really inappropriate. <laughs> Sixteen Candles, yeah. uh, nineteen eighty four, kind of the first John Hughes movie uh, with um, was his directorial debut. Mm, was yeah. it his directorial? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so it's um, yeah, it's uh, wow. Like um, you know, I'd seen. Uh, I watched one through fifteen. Yeah, um, no, I'd um, <laughs> I'd watched um, I'd seen Breakfast Club a bunch of times. I only recently watched uh, Pretty in Pink. Um, I still haven't seen Pretty in Pink. And, no. um, and yeah, I was not expecting this movie at all. Um, I guess I just had in my head that it was going to be of a similar vein to mm. those movies. And this is not, uh, oh, man. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I well, had, I mean, yeah, what sorry. You, yeah. Kane, what were your, yeah. Pre, your, yeah what was yeah. your preconception about this film? Uh, I had an ambient awareness that there were kind of parts that hadn't aged well. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think I was kind of aware of, um, long duck dong as, and and I thought that perhaps that was the thing that everybody was talking about. Yep. I was not ready for this just to be tip to toe, like wow. stern to what it just Yeah. Yeah. Bow. Yeah. Bow to stern. Bow to stern, yeah. Just and I don't think that um he would have known better at the time. This to me, to me, this 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 is far, far beyond like it was a different time. You know what yeah. I mean? No, definitely. I, yeah, if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably, I got to about 20 minutes in, I would have just switched it off. I would have turned it off as well, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, it was so cringeworthy, the shit that they, that was going down that they were just trying to pass off as comedy was like, yeah. it's like trying to watch uh, Delirious or Raw again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, yes. It felt just like that. Oh, it's man. like, I, like, I remember putting yeah. it on, I yeah. put, put on Delirious like uh, last year and I was like, yeah. oh man, this is going to be great. I haven't seen this for like. 15 years. Yeah. Man, that is tough to watch, as was this. Just like trying yeah. to pass off the- Fucking delirious. I think I did a similar thing. And it's like from the second he steps on stage, yeah. he's using like the F slur and stuff. Like it's like all these 
yeah. Fs want to like look at me in this leather. Like it's homophobia from like almost the first word out of his mouth. It's yeah. crazy. But this yeah. goes further and it man- yeah. manages to be extremely homophobic, extremely racist, misogynistic, just uh, it's basic. Yeah. It, it pushed it way further than anything I've seen. I think. Yeah. I, 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 other I, I was really like, unexpected. Well, well, no, no, but see, no, but this is what, uh, what, what I was surprised is I was just like, oh, this is like a Porky's movie. Like this is just a like yeah. a, one of those che- sort of mm. cheap sex comedy sort of movies. This is a similar point, to, to, yeah. That I was um, yeah. where because I had seen Pretty in Pink, because I had seen The Breakfast Club, which have definitely have their problematic and you know um, you know not so, but they are much more a teen movie. Mm. They're a lot more generous yeah. um, but, and but, but, they have characters mm. um, and uh, less than caricatures. Mm. And uh, I mean, they still have those, but I, I had no idea it was like this. And yeah. I was like, I think, I think the, uh, you know, uh, uh, when it opens up and the little brother starts talking about um, his <laughs> sister being on her period. And I'm like, Oh, this is not oh, the... I, I, this is, that was kind of funny. <laughs> no. But, 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 to, a... but to elaborate on like the Porky's thing and whatever, like, uh, you know, you can just, they are what those films um, present themselves to be. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They, they were crass at the time. They were always meant to be crass and and they were perfectly prepared to be vilified. I think the the weird thing about Sixteen Candles is that... Um, which I guess we'll get to, but as Molly Ringwald says, it does have like a lot of redemptive um, elements, which I, which is why so many people like it is because people talk in such odd tones about sort of the empathy that John Hughes had for teenagers and the kind of dimension that he painted them in and stuff. And it was just strange that, that there was kind of um, that film in it, which is what I think people like the most about mm. John Hughes is that he was one of, if not the first person to kind of treat teenagers as real people. Mm. But also, like, yeah, just, just fucking fire-hosed with poison, like, everywhere. And and I think that that's kind of what makes it... It That's what make It kind of makes it feel even more rancid, because, like, Porky's is just, like, is just a dip in, in like, a pool of filth, right? Yeah. But, mm. but, but, like... Sixteen candles, like there's there's it's there's clean fun. towels yeah. on the side of that pool, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and, and it's kind of it's kind of yeah, like great. and and you can imagine yeah. feeling clean, yeah, but you're yeah. not, yeah, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I think it's that thing of he got to make the other movies after this because this one did so well. Um, but I also think it was probably you know to a degree his. Uh, you know, he worked for National, he wrote for National Lampoon, mm. you know, like yeah. there's a heap of that National Lampoon y sort of stuff in there yeah. as well. I didn't realize he invented the whole uh, vacation thing based on his own his own family vacations. Like I didn't realize he was the the, the, the godfather of all the the national vacation, the oh, was he? vacation and yeah, well they he like he wrote he started writing for National Lampoon, mm. writing about um I think he he started a a little skit or a little like a column all mm. about um, yeah, he's, it was called Vacation 80, 84 or something like that. And then that got turned into one vacation film, which flopped, and then he tried it again, and it was um, National Vacation. And that did the, the first well, one. and yeah. then all the vacations. Molly Ringwald as well in that article touches on, you read it, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. She she uh, Mike's read it. Mm. Uh, she touches on like she went back and read a lot of his National Lampoon stuff, and a lot of it is really poisonous as yeah. well. So we're talking about there's a um, a New Yorker article that Molly Ringwald wrote, I think, last year. It's sort of just after the a lot of the Me Too stuff broke, and uh, and she sort of went and she watched a breakfast club with her 10 year old daughter yeah. and then kind of revisited a lot of that. And, um, and so it was her Very sort radical. of, yeah. And it's her sort of reckoning. Um, reckoning with that, um, with that sort of stuff. But, um, I had read parts of it and then I reread it all again the day after watching this. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, it's sort of that thing of like this, you know, Molly Ringwald was, you know, she was like 15 or something when she, she made this movie. 16, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just. Can I say an aside? Molly Ringwald, great writer. Yeah. Like, yeah. like very, very, very good at uh, just that very spare, like tight as a drum kind of prose. I don't mm, know. Yep. I liked it. Um, Sorry. Uh, and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely link to it in the, the show notes. But, um, but yeah, it. It was I, I was just really blindsided by this movie. Like mm. um, I thought we were just like choosing a dumb little ladies comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's like, the thing. That's the thing that yeah. really threw me. I didn't realize and, this was going and, to be And again, sorry to to what Kane said, you know, uh I was also aware that there were, you know, um my housemate uh um said, Oh, yeah, this, let's watch the sort of the sort of the not very feminist one. Um uh, and and then I was like, Oh, okay, so there's, you know, there's the things that I heard were true. There was some problematic stuff in it, but not not to well, this yeah, fucking that, level. I, like, I was, I was definitely aware that those problematic elements, which is why I thought it would make a good choice. You know, yeah, what I mean? because I'm yeah. so I'm so used to, um, like I'm probably more of a John Hughes skeptic than most, but like I I was aware that like he's universally adored. So I I kind mm. of I didn't. I, there's no way I could have anticipated that it was that could have been this bad. Do you have any? Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite John Hughes? Do you have a favorite John Hughes film? I mean, any really? Like, I think he. To be honest, I mean, we're all mm. of a similar age. Mm. Like, I almost feel like my sisters, who are they don't listen to the podcast, so um, like ten years older than I am. Um, they like the Hughes movies were their sweet spot. Like yeah. they were teenagers in the eighties, you know, where we're like, you know, we're um, coming up uh, next episode uh, is that John Hughes wrote, uh, you know, mm. the kid, the, the kiddiest kid movie in town, you know, like the mm. um, home alone and um, spoiler alert. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, it's sort of that thing of, uh, yeah, like, I like the Breakfast Club, and I I, I don't like the Breakfast Club. No, but you like it's fine. The breakfast Club, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, but it's well, yeah. Likes probably even a strong. Like I rewatched it just recently because I watched Pretty in Pink, and Pretty in Pink is fun. But like it's kind of that thing of, um, I, I feel like that's the that's the that's the good one. Um, <laughs> but even though there's there's plenty of problems yeah. with that one. Breakfast Club actually yeah. with most of John Hughes, most of these this sort of trilogy. It's probably eighty percent soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, pretty in pink soundtrack is great. The soundtrack to uh, this is great. Yeah. The soundtrack to Breakfast Club, you know, Simple Minds. Can't and and and, and I did know, like the second that this movie started, uh, um, I was uh, yeah, I was like, oh, 
who's um uh, you know who's doing is like Ira Newborn who did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. Weird Science, and but he also did the Naked Gun, hmm. um like the the theme to like all the Naked Guns, yeah. Um, you see, Jimmy Iovine was the music supervisor. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Who's that? Jimmy Iovine. Uh, the Beats. Yeah, Beats like, by Dre, but 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 he had a. Yeah. He had a bigger history and records. Like Def Jam? No. Def Jam. Def I'm Jam. getting tripped up because it's mm. similar to Def Jam. Def Jam was Russell Simmons and yeah. um, Rick Rubin. Mm. Anyway, he ended up um, partnering with Dr. Dre on Beats. And mm. there's a terrible, dreary yeah. documentary about him and uh, Dr. Dre that's just meant it. This documentary is kind of about their history and how it's they. the Netflix one. The yeah. Art, the yeah. art of something. Yeah, the Defiant ones. And yeah, it yeah. is so dreary because it, because it, its entire point of view is that it is amazing that these guys are billionaires and we're just meant <laughs> to think that that's the greatest fucking thing ever. <laughs> when in fact it's immoral to have that much money. <laughs> um, but with John Hughes and me, like, um, I have. I think I've seen most of his films, but very few of them a lot. I mean, planes, but I've seen Ferris trains? Bueller a lot. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is kind of the jewel in the crown, and that's yeah. that's kind of the one. So I'd be interested in rewatching. I think I saw that a million years ago. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't it remember much about just it. Just the just the the um the pairing of Steve Martin and and John Candy is just like it's lightning in a bottle. It's like a yeah. really yeah, it's a really sweet little. Little film, but yeah, I'll probably and I, and I like. I think most people are fascinated by John Candy and me too. Just, Uncle Buck, it probably be yeah. That's almost we watched movie. Uncle Buck a lot as as yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, like, totally I, like, like, like I haven't revisited it. I know my sisters watched Curly Sue like yeah. incessantly, but I think I had aged out of Curly Sue a bit by then. But, yeah, John um, Hughes had a real fetish with um, cheese pizza, didn't he? Old Macaulay <laughs> and Curly Sue both <laughs> loved the cheese pizza. Yeah, isn't there a Oh, no, that's pancakes he does with the snow shovel <laughs> oh, yeah. in Uncle Buck. <laughs> Actually, Although I did have a crush on the girl in yeah. Uncle Buck. Sorry? <laughs> um, snow shovel in Home Alone, too. He's got some, he's, he likes dipping from the same pool of his little, yeah. little favorite bits. So, yeah, um, where do we start? <laughs> uh, I mean, one, <laughs> just reading through my notes here, one, the first thing I wrote down was, uh, Anthony Michael Hall is the bird-eating spider of sex pests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not. Um... Can can I can I ask one yeah. question? Maybe and then maybe we'll sort of talk more specifically mm-hmm. about the plot. How do you guys relate to teen movies? Like, uh, did you were you attracted to movies with teenagers in them when you were a teenager? Yeah, was was I there a sense of the, connection there? I watched the hell out of American Pie. Right. When that was yeah. like, when I was in like, it was 17 or whatever, but I watched a lot of films, but that would always be, you know, I, I was in, that was in the sweet spot for that as well. And looking back on that, it doesn't, it doesn't age too well, but I mean, it's of the, it's of the time. You could clearly tell who it's aimed at. Um, yeah. I but I, I guess I, like, I like, think I missed, yeah. Like I definitely watch Clueless a lot, but I don't I mean, know if that's, I guess that's a teen movie, yeah. but yeah. yeah. I guess, but, I guess I mean like, like, like in the sense of like a real connection, like, cause I, cause you know, a lot of people, people have a real feel, connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and they feel a lot of like, I don't know whether catharsis is the right yeah. word, but, but, but there's kind of like, especially in films like John Hughes films, I think I like, have. like it's about, there's, there's kind of a representational element to it in, in that there is something amazing to people about seeing themselves up on a screen and 
them in this case as teenagers. You know well, I, mean? I think we're te- like, as you said, 10 years after, like if we if I had, yeah, but people have been making, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know if anything, if there was anything really or nothing that was in that really snagged me, um, when I was sort of 15, 16, 17, that I could take seriously anyway. It was all mm. just dumb throwaway shit. There was nothing really yeah, like there was John the, Hughes yeah. really hit that. He yeah. was good at he was good at kind of um he had that sweet spot of um connecting with teenagers with real dumb scenarios or like desirable scenarios that they think they could connect with. Uh and some bit of heart and then bit of bit of gross shit and then and then bit of slapstick stuff. But it was kind yeah. of Yeah. And I think like in that that Molly Ringworld article which i'm sure we'll reference a million times but she she also you know makes the point of that i mean this this movie but you know probably uh in a in a better sense um pretty in pink were you know there weren't that like there weren't films about teenage girls and their problems yeah you know? yeah yeah um and so that's you know um yeah like and and then uh, and then i think we kind of got to that point where you know we like when we were teenagers, that's like late nineties. So, you know, there's like, like those like movies that I kind of glossed over like empire records and, um, yeah, see, actually, and, uh, and, um, reality bites and mm. stuff like. I think but, we were too young for reality, but exactly. Yeah. So the, I think, yeah, there was think, just, was there anything in our sweet spot for that? Well, I was thinking about mm. it and, 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 uh, just then, and I think it's actually a very gendered thing. Mm. Um, in that I, I think that there were those figures up on the screen, but I think they they weren't in high school and they weren't in semi-naturalistic settings. They were in fantastic settings. They were Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Hmm. Luke Skywalker is 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 our Molly Ringwald in some ways. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, like, yeah, do you yeah. kind of know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, which, you know, I mean, maybe says some kind of shitty things about the way boys are conditioned but um so what you're saying kane which i think i'm getting is that hollywood needs to make more movies for 17 year old boy <laughs> white boys I think, I think well i mean i like me i mean you know sorry to sound super right on but maybe they should make you know um more fantastic films you know with female leads and more and more um Films with young male leads where they experience problems and they're yeah, actually no, you're totally right. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this movie, wow, uh, pretty well, good. Yeah, pretty. What? Well, um, uh, I've just got some random notes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, maybe maybe we just go around. I mean, what's what's what was the premise of the film? Go wakes um, up. It's it's a sister's day of a day, sister's day before we- day before her sister's weddings. It's her sixteenth birthday. Her family's forgotten. She's got a crush on a dreamboat, and there's a a a a, a rapist, and yep. <laughs> and I don't know. Um, and then all the grandparents have turned up at the house, and they've bought a um, they've imported apparently a, a like a just a, a slave uh, yes, by the sounds of it, another yeah. slave. Yeah. So so yeah, that that was the thing. I, I I feel like I didn't maybe I didn't catch the the rationalization for Long Duck Dong being there, Is he and an and exchange? I didn't bother to. He's get... an exchange student, right? But um uh but yeah, and and then um the the grandpa's like he does the lawns, yeah, right? he cleans. 
chains up, and it's yeah. just like, so you've just imported a slave. So this is a, an Asian character in the film called Long, Long Duck, Duck Dong. Dong. Funny stuff. And and if you didn't work it out, there was a gong sound effect oh every God. time he came on uh, uh, on, uh, on on screen. And and um, and literal like ching chong. Yeah. And and just to just to just to fill it in when they're driving back, I'm turning Japanese is playing on the radio as well, which doesn't even make sense. It's all Greek to me. But yeah, it's um yeah. This is what my one of my favourite old uh, comedians, Tony Martin, he said, it's getting a little bit Mino Reiki uh, around mm. here because uh, it's just, it's horrific. <laughs> yeah, it is. Really um, but it's, uh, again, it's one of those things where I had heard the um, Hey Sexy Girlfriend uh, thing, uh, like in the past, not knowing where that was from. And so there you go. I worked out where that was from. Yeah. But it's like, fuck me. If we're, st- if we're staying on Long Duck Dong, uh, despite how crazily racist it is. Yeah. He's my favorite character. Him and his girlfriend, they rule because yeah. they know what they're about. Oh, and, they're going and, for it. And and, and and I think it's so funny because I think that we're meant to like, they're so weird, Ugh, gross, but they rule. They're, like, they're, they're just yeah. going for it. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah. They, they, they know what they're about. And, and it's very much, again, another trope uh, because this is post-Police Academy. It's um the... The super tall, sort of athletic, mm. big buxom yes, we're, um, we're, we're woman. Women to, we're meant to think that, that that's, they're awful at all of this sort of stuff, you yeah, know. Yeah. And it's just like, no, this well, is like, who, amazing. Who could who could yeah. who could be attracted to a woman a like big, that? A big powerful woman yeah, yeah, yeah. who just like you know, uh, it, it's almost like a um, you know, knock them over the head and you know, drag them away kind yeah. of thing. And it's but it's just yeah, it's amazing. I they they are legit my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I feel like we need to give this film some redeeming features. There's got to mm. be. There's got to be something you yep. take away from it that could be good. When 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 she walks up to her grandparents and you know they're in say state mm-hmm. of undress, I uh, I looked up sock garters on Amazon after that. I'm like <laughs> sock garters. Yeah, yeah, like fucking. I'm so sick of my socks going down. I'm gonna buy some. Oh, are you gonna get some of those Pope socks? You've been talking about them for a while. Oh yeah, Pope socks so as there, well. There were these socks that Kane showed me. It's yeah, the, it's the guy that he's, he's a tailor for the Pope, right? Well, it's it's. it's I mean, it's a company. Yeah, the ecclesiastical tailors to the Holy See, <laughs> and they're they're, they're they're red. These knee-high red socks. Yeah, uh, that the Pope himself, the goddamn the Pope himself. <laughs> they're forty bucks a pair of socks. You yeah. can get them on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, get some pope socks. Let's get some pope socks up in here with some sock guards. I, I'm gonna get some pope sock socks garters. with sock guards. You'd be fucking clipping them to your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, some redeeming, uh, like you know, even though they weren't um, uh, great characters, but having both John and Joan Cusack are in they, a film, are they a package deal? Uh, What's with that, Joan? But, She's the uh, yeah, best. I, I love Joan. Joan rules, and 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 that's even, and and again, it's similar with Long Duck Dong. Like, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's making it's, fun it's, of a kid with a disability. Yes, I know. I was. I was. <laughs> it, it is. It is. If not ableist, then it's really fucking just. It's writing that line. Yeah. But again, she's great. She is. So, I, I'd like to. I, I don't know the answer to this, but did they? Sell themselves as like this comedic duo, or like they're in a heap of stuff together. I don't know what their background. Maybe they're maybe their parents. Maybe their parents were just like a one sort of. We gotta look this up. Yeah, Yeah. must have been. Um, They were in there from from day dot. I uh, yeah, there was like 
his 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 uh, redeeming thing I liked about it. Um, when they're sitting in the bleachers at the school dance and uh, Anthony Michael Hall is like mm. doing something and this is a friend and I think it was the maybe the only scene he was in. Yep. He just like leans in and goes, she's totally serious, asswipe. Yeah. And there was something about his line delivery that I really liked. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny. Uh, it, was the, it was her friend's date for the night. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's totally serious, asswipe. Uh, I liked a little, uh, little cameo from... The the Reverend who married them, who's Brian Doyle Murray, the brother yeah. of Bill Murray, Bill Murray and uh, yeah. the owner of Noah's Arcade in um, in Wayne's World, amongst yeah. other things. Um, I did, I I did genuinely think that the performance of the sister when she's on muscle relaxants at the end was quite <laughs> oh. funny. Oh no, I hate it. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, a because it was punishing her for kind of. <sighs> It, it was really a physical was. performance. Like, but then her mm. jumping around trying to catch the rice in her mouth, I thought that was funny. Uh, I did, that, that didn't gel for me. <laughs> didn't like that? And, okay. and, and, I, and I think it was... I was trying to find something yeah, yeah. vaguely funny I'm and enjoyable. I'm looking at my notes trying to find yeah, things I, just, I like. There was a lot of making uh, fun of women that were either drunk or drugged. That's true. Yeah. No. Uh, no that's, like, now that I think about it, no, that's a terrible thing to think about. You know, because, yeah, because like the, the, the feeling fucking awful for the, uh, yeah, the girlfriend who just gets shipped off. Oh, she, yeah. Oh, my God. The date it's rape so thing. Fucked. The whole date rape thing in this is just like. Well, let's, let's so get to that. Do we want to touch what, on what, that? Well, what, when, while we're talking about things, I was just looking at my notes for things that I liked. There were two line deliveries I really liked. Um, Again, in a problematic situation, but when John Cusack is taking the Polaroid, he stops and says, you know, black and white. Oh, we'll black the and movement. white would capture the movie. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, terrible situation, great but, line delivery. Yes. Yep. And also um, when uh, uh, her dad says to like the little, her mum, maybe, I can't remember, says to her little brother, it was, it was your... Um, it's his birthday, birthday. And, and the little kid just goes classic that was a moment where the film was not problematic and that was that yeah. was a, that was a you know, great was, joke that in my kid he was the first film he was in was Kramer versus Kramer and he was nominated for was that the kid yeah. of course yeah, really? yeah. crazy and then he goes from that to <laughs> fucking 16 candles oh oh wow and yeah. now I think he's um, twirling a sign on the side of the highway in uh, Los Angeles somewhere for pizza or something. No, he's so really, he's but... probably like selling something on the side of the road. Would that be like an advertisement? Does he sell ad space? Mm. What would he be advertising? They're not the same as, but no. Is it the same ads that, really? Yes, exactly the same. Oh, shit. The very same. This episode is brought to you by iPsych, the first AI therapist that's not only tailored to you, it is you. The iPsych maps every synapse of your brain using technology that's legal in every country it's legal in to create a digital mirror of your psyche. Because who can know you better than yourself? Nobody. And who can have more empathy for you than the person that's caged inside your head, ramming against its walls like a desperate wounded boar? Um, try yourself. Using their app, you can get three months worth of expensive talk therapy done in 10 minutes or less. No waiting rooms? No human you're pretty sure Freud thinks you want to fuck for some reason. Most of all, no explaining anything. 
The iPsych already knows everything you do and is invested in making sure you don't need to spend any unnecessary time thinking about it too much. It already knows why your mind feels coated in syrupy black charcoal and how it feels like it's filling your throat making you feel like you can't scream to feel the pain. The iPsych gets it. It's loaded up with every experience that got you in this situation and is absolutely attuned to what you need to get you out of it. Let's take a listen. Sometimes my anguish at being alive feels like a physical presence in my guts. A boiling hot void that swallows happiness and vomits pain. Hmm, I deduce it has something to do with your father. Huh, you're right. That guy was a dick. And that whole situation gave you a crippling fear of failure that paradoxically manifests itself as an impossibly high self-regard. Wow. You nailed it, buddy. Problem solved. You're very smart. And if you won an app, I bet everybody would want to fuck you. Thanks, Kane. Now we fixed your mind, but don't forget that its regulation of your mood is inextricably linked to the health of your body. Have you been exercising and eating better? I psych, I have to admit I haven't. Yeah, no shit. That shit is hard and you got so much going on. Work speaking keeping you at the office so much. I guess it's not practical. Cut yourself a break, man. I'm so glad you understand. I feel like we've made some real progress here. Me too. But I want you to be vigilant about practicing self-care. How can I do that? Going home, turning off all the lights, drinking three or four bottles of wine, and refreshing Twitter until you black out. I think I can do that. Thanks to ISAC, Deja Review listeners can get a free trial of this groundbreaking advancement in mental health care by using coupon code DEJA. Download the app now at iSyc.cia.gov and soon you'll feel as good as me. Well, I've got to say, that's probably the first time that the advertiser is... More problematic than the movie. That yeah, I was going to say less, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> That's a way better joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stepped on your beard. Um, yeah. And like going back to the sound effects, like I I was sort of like, okay, uh, you know, sort of in the first sort of 15 minutes of this movie, I'm like, oh, this is, this is not the Hughes sort of movie that I, I thought. And then all of a sudden, boobs and a boing sound effect. Totally. And I was like. They were just uncalled for. It was just right there. Just, Extreme close-up. Yep. Just but for no conceivable reason. I mean, there were... There studio were, obligation, clearly, in the <sighs> in that time in, in cinema, you had to include a pair of breasts. Well, I think we, we have discussed... What, what, what movie did we <laughs> discuss where it was like... You know, there was a... Um, oh, no, Heathers, where there's, a, there's an entire, um, you know, scene in a girl's locker room and... Nary a boob. Robocop had more boobs than that, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, but no, this was just like it's it's funny because we're gonna be we're gonna be speaking about Die Hard in the future, mm. and one thing I forgot to say in the future <laughs> is that um, Die Hard just couldn't not put a boob in there. There's a boob mm. in there for like maybe three frames. It's just yeah. you couldn't not do it, could you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you get to Die Hard, right? Um. Yeah. No, but like yeah, just the the sound effects and the like the. It, it felt like Benny Hill-esque uh, with yeah, the amount of sound did. effects. Um, uh, 
And also the um the guy who plays the like the the love interest is he the worst actor ever <laughs> put on screen so with the least charismatic like the least charismatic like obviously he's you know uh, good looking in the in that context but god damn there is no reason for Molly Ringwald who like you know love Molly Ringwald like Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the, the little, he was like, he, Jake. Was, the, he was the heartthrob all yeah, throughout the, heartthrob. The, the 80s, right? He was like, was he? so many people, yeah, so many people thought he I was I mean, I, I he bet he was, I, I just didn't know him from anything. Oh my yeah, God, he was just, yeah. oh, of a toothpick. My left butt cheek. Yeah. And uh, can can we go back to the tits for a second? Yep. And it's, yeah. Um, uh, just that, can we can we actually isolate that so I can have it as my uh, my message tone? <laughs> but uh, the, two things on the tits. Um, that's good. That's, a, that's a perfect. That's, that's our new podcast. <laughs> Is that you know the the thing that everybody uh, that, that we've talked about that people give John Hughes so much credit for is dimensionalizing teens, giving them, you know, teens on screen, psychological lives and real motivations, blah, blah, blah. And there's that scene where, you know, um, Molly and her friend are like looking at her tits just, mm. uh, and so the, the, like, if that follows, then what it means is that John Hughes has spent a lot of time thinking about girls, other teenage girls spending a lot of time thinking about teenage girls' tits. And, yeah. yeah, like uh, to me, that's creepy. Why? why that's what got me because he wrote and directed this. Every yeah. bit of this was coming from him, so, that's, so that makes it kind of mm. creepy. Yeah, so 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 it's kind of like you can see it two ways. Like like yeah, okay, sure, maybe like he deserves a lot of credit for like dimensional teenage characters or whatever. But at the same time, he's clearly spent a lot of time thinking about teenage girls looking at each other's tits. You know what I mean? And I kept a small running list of tit stuff in this movie. John Hughes is obviously obsessed with tits. Um, there's the moment where um, this is Long the tit Duck, list. This is the tit list. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a moment where uh, Duck Dong gets pushed into um, his girlfriend's chest, mm-hmm. and there's a, he goes flat. I don't know what the <laughs> there, there was there was some joke about flatness, uh, and this isn't in a complete list, but uh, the grandma honks yeah, her, yeah, her yeah. tits. Um, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, men- yeah. Anthony Michael Hall explicitly mentions um, her tits mm. to the to the dreamboat at the dance. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, when when John um, Cusack and and his dumb friend when uh, Anthony Michael Hall is uh, trying to get them to get the camera and come yeah. out to the car, like they talk about an extraterrestrial with tits, like that would be the greatest thing ever. And I think that there was other ones, like there's there was. just. Long Duck Dong, when he's like in the in the car with his girlfriend, he's like, "Finally, I've got somewhere to put my hand." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, once once the scales lift from your eyes, <laughs> once once you get woke, <laughs> it's it's like it's just Ted references all over the place. He's obsessed. Have either of you ever practiced what you were going to say to someone in a mirror before you do it? <laughs> it is. Such a trope, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. It's a film thing, right? If I have done it and I can see a world in which I did when as a teenager, it would have only have been because I saw it in movies. You know yeah. what I mean? So maybe it became a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way. I don't know. No, I've never done that. It's like, yeah. I was a, a real dork. <laughs> you do it in your head. You don't say it in the mirror. It's like kissing a mirror or something. You know? mm. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I kissed a mirror. 
You did? For sure. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, 100%. You did? Yeah. I definitely didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, wait, no. No, he's, no. He's kissed my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you too. <laughs> No, I, uh, what's with nobody ever saying goodbye on the phone? I've brought this up before. <laughs> oh, yeah. It really pisses yeah, me yeah. off. Like, mid conversation, hang up. I'd be like, that's just rude. Say goodbye to me. That's sure, it's wasting screen time, but I got beef with it. I've got, yeah. always had beef with it. It's yeah. one of those things that, yeah, it's wasting screen stick. time. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's those kinds of things in movies and they have an old time and, they start to just they just be, start to become like this itch to you that yeah you can't not definitely it's like when when you hear the five 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 yeah five 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 yeah. yeah yeah I always wondered about that like it's not legally mandated that they do that right probably not anymore I don't know it's just it's just Hollywood seems to have such a intense dedication to doing it even I, in situations where I wish that instead of doing the five five five. It was a running joke like the Wilhelm screen to actually send someone off to a phone number that was this funny, it was like a, a gag line or a phone number that you'd always hear referenced in movies right, to actually right, be some right. kind of Just hotline. Just a single phone line. Yeah. 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 And, hey, look, it hasn't happened, so. Yeah. Is yeah. that a fact? <laughs> that, I mean, that is definitely not a fact, but do I have facts for you guys? You know what? i got so many facts. I'm going to call this segment Hughes. If true. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fact? That a fact. Is that a fact? Is that a fact? That a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. This All right. is the segment where I give you three factazoids mm-hmm. and you each have to answer which one is the false fact. Can do. Okay. Fact number one. During the sequence... Actually, Hughes, if true, so it's not actually just 16 candles, I'll be honest. Okay. So this is just general John Hughes. Okay. During in the, the Hughes-verse. In the Hughes-verse, yeah. During the sequence in Uncle Buck where Macaulay Culkin interrogates Buck, the script's dialogue was written on index cards and placed on John Candy's head so Culkin could get his lines off quickly without having to worry about memorization. Fact number two. 21 Candles was extremely close to being made as a sequel in 1987, but Hughes' script was far too raunchy and Molly Ringwald refused... Rory... Molly Ringwald refused... Uh, (laughs) Refused to... He's long duck dog over here. (laughs) (laughs) Molly Ringwald refused to star in it unless drastic changes were made to the script. Mm -hmm. Fact number three. Weird Science was one of Downey's first breakthrough roles. Rob Downey Jr., but working with Hughes was so aggravating that the young actor took a dump on the floor of co-star Kelly LeBlanc's, Kelly LeBrock's trailer out of spite. I am going to say number three. Uncle Buck, 21 Candles, or Downey the Dumper? I'm going to say Buck. Okay. Are you guys both wrong? Because 21 Candles was never a thing. I just made that up. And so annoying because she mentions a move. The fourth she movie. She mentions she. It's funny and well, well no, she, 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 she <laughs> the, in the new in the New Yorker article. She yes. mentions a. She says that he was, was famously. She, he 
She didn't specifically say it was the same character, though, mm. right? But she does mention that she was going to... She mentions two things. There was a film that she was... A third film with him that she was going to be in. Fourth. A, a fourth, sorry. And that he was famously averse to revisions in mm. his script. So that dovetailed so perfectly yeah, with the article no. that I read. Gosh, no, it's Uncle Buck one was... Good. Uh, and good. Danny Jr., Actually, it came out in an interview in 2007 that yeah, he was a bit honest, of a serial dumper <laughs> around other people's, other people's, uh, yeah, other people's caravans. He used to go around and take a little dump in the ones he was going to piss him off. Mm. I've heard of dumps like a truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of other facts I found along the way. Uh, Hughes wrote the Beethoven series under a pseudonym, Edmund Davies. Which he also wrote uh, wrote such just cinematic classics as Drillbit Taylor and Made in Manhattan. Mm. He really quit while he was ahead. Actually, yeah. he had a heart attack in New York in like was 2006. Was Drillbit Taylor made posthumously? Huh? Maybe was Drillbit Taylor made posthumously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote was? it and then yeah, yeah, shelved it. So um, like, what a I mean, should we talk about like what the like sort of the peak? Pro- problematic things in this are yeah yeah okay let's talk about the, the uh, yeah, just thing. just more I, I guess well, it's the just more thing as yeah well. it's just more mm, for a warning yeah. for anyone who hasn't seen this movie <laughs> yeah. please avoid but yeah yeah um, yeah so Anthony Michael Hall uh, negotiates to take borrow her panties for yeah, ten minutes so he can pretend as if he's fucked her in front of his friends and they then charge admission to look at them. Which, I mean, I know it's a comedy, but that didn't track, like, I don't know. I, I didn't, I don't know, maybe it would. Would, well, I, a, would I be excited by that if I was a teenager? A shitty teenager, which I was. Probably. probably. Maybe. I don't know. The, well, the real problematic thing is the date rape thing in this, right? Yes, and, 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 and the dreamboat, essentially, like. Oh, he's, he's pegged to be, like, the, he's the, the you know, McLovable. Um, yeah, in this whole he's thing, supposed, yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's supposed to be this like ideal guy, yeah. and he says, "I've got a girl up there that I could violate 15 this different is, well, ways." Can, yeah. can, can, can I? I wrote that line yeah. down <sighs> exactly, and I was thinking because it's, uh, I just um, the the way it's delivered is kind of like lie, yeah. But I wanted to do a dramatic reading of it. You know what I mean? Just to show how fucking sinister it is. It really you know is. what I mean? He says, I can get a piece of ass anytime I want. Shit. I've got Caroline in the bedroom right now. Passed out cold. I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to. Like, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's fucked up. That yeah. scared me just then. Yeah. 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 Uh, so gross. Yeah. And then, uh, he, 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 and then gives, he gives her yep. to yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Who to, says in, at in, first, in, he's like, no, In exchange no. for a pair of undies. In the, yeah. well, for the pair. Yeah. Like, it's just. And then says, she's yours. Ugh. Yeah. It's so fucked. Yeah. It's, and then he's meant to be the, he's meant to be the, the aspiring, you know, he's the one that everyone looks up to. And he's the, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot wrong with this film. That's kind of. I mean, I guess Even then, more, there's a lot to say, say about, about the year it. and the date and the when it was made, and it's still not forgivable, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I was kind of thinking that, like, none of John Hughes's other films are as noxious as this, you know what I mean? 
Um, like, I think he definitely did correct course in some way. You know what I mean? Like, do we think he just amped that up to sell? Well, the this movie? Was, I don't know. Well, I'd be interested yeah. in knowing whether this there was, was backlash the f- at the time. This was the first of his three films. Uh, he did 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Weird Three Science. Ringwald films. Yeah. Well, uh, no, three, three. he did three films in 15 months for the studio. Whoa. So he did, which is just, uh, you know, unheard of. That Crying. And three big, big 80s. Well, because what Breakfast is he, Club Lena was supposed Werner to come Fassbinder? first. But yeah, which is amazing. So there is probably definitely an element of of, uh, of him yeah. hamming up this stuff to sell to get you know people in cinemas. There's got to be a gross out factor or like a let's make this. And yeah. he probably he I mean he must have grown up. He physically grew up, but whether or not he actually took some of this feedback on board for for his later films and made a few more heartwarming and that's, family and that's kind of and and, and yeah and my observation was kind of you don't get that second chance now no you know what i mean no 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 you'll be ousted yeah. straight away like you put a foot out of line and it you know for good reason um yeah a lot of dudes get a lot of chances i guess Mm. I um i did think of another thing that i kind of that that uh i liked about the movie is that even though um, it, it kind of reeked of John Hughes writing the dad that he actually wanted, the dad character was very sweet and didn't fall into the trope that he very easily could have fallen into, which is, don't you fuck my daughter? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's just kind of a nice, sweet dad who does care about his daughter. <laughs> of the few character moments in that movie, yeah, that, that scene a... where she's where she's laying on the couch and he gives her a nice yeah. little, you know, little father daughter moment. It almost mm. seemed like a scene from a different film. It was like, oh, now you, you're trying to wrap, put a little bow on it, and make it all like, I don't know. I, it was it was refreshing because well, tonally this track. movie is all over the place. So mm. if there's any tone, well, but, uh, and 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 oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but 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 um, what what ratifies that that he's not the usual like, um, you don't date my daughter, you know, my precious little angel, mm. like you know, at the very end when she gets into the car, yeah. like he's totally like, right on, yeah, 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 you know what I mean, and yeah. and it's like in ninety nine percent of films like this, that moment is like. And and to be honest, like it's, I really love Molly Ringwald and that that moment when he's walking to the car and she's sort of mouths to him is like it's him. Mm. It was really sweet. Like mm. it's just like it's him. Like mm. this is the guy that I was telling you about, and it was a really nice moment. Even if that him is like a you know a turnip, um, <laughs> just with you know, it's just like yeah. Anyway, mm. um, anything left I to say? Well, one, just... one, one last word. I think maybe <laughs> the most the the like, blow out these candles. The 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 low key most probable moment in is very early on when they're talking about um, like who they'd want to lose their virginity to or something. Mm. And Passing like there's the some mis- there's some Passing no the it was around. it was when they're in the hall afterwards. I mm. can't remember the circumstances where. Uh, where it came up, but Molly Ringwald said something and um, her friend interpreted it as like um, a, a black guy. And and oh, like, and yeah. she says, a black guy. And her eyes like, yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah. 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 A black guy. Yeah. You know. Just throw that in the big, the big racist pot yeah. that is. Look, I, it's pretty safe to say uh, I am never going to be watching this fucking piece of shit again. <laughs> and so many people hold this in such a high regard. Yeah. And, yeah. and you see, yeah, there's so many 
articles out there and then bits and pieces out there of people just praising this yeah so much and it's kind of like uh, i don't know yeah, it's hard to hard to see where you should, they're coming you from you should you should read molly ringwald's article because, I have. because oh you have yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry i didn't know her. yeah i i yeah. just thought that she dealt with that like there's with really an good, interesting amount of nuance she's talks really about good, the, uh, the this american guy. life mm. uh, this yeah. american life uh, segment as yeah. well where she yeah. talks about it and um about the, the basically yeah the same article but um yeah. But, yeah, like she talks about um, that there's a, a guy who she knew that sort of came out or she got a letter from – no, she met someone and said, you know, who was like, oh, these movies meant so much to mm. me, even like 16 Candles as a, as, as a young he was, gay he was, kid. He was black and gay yeah. in, 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 and in the John Hughes-averse. There's yeah. no gay people and no there's black no people. There's no black people. And, and she was sort of like – uh, you know, like it was like how in you know, and it was just like because there were people, you know, who were weird and struggling with things, and I'm like, yeah. geez, there was it was a death of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, I guess that's that's I mean, apart from having characters with dimension, I guess that's the other thing that people are so attracted um, to John Hughes movies for because you know they're outsiders, they're outcasts, outsiders, misunderstood. Like even in Ferris Bueller, which is kind of the frothiest of these kinds of films, like Cameron is, yeah, he's mm. kind of a pained, yeah, mm. um, it's a great tortured guy, like yeah, an Alan definitely. Ruck, yeah, gotta love Alan Ruck. Ruck's the greatest. Oh. He's turned into such a great character actor. I am mm. never mad if fucking Alan Ruck turns up in a movie. Yeah, I've seen him twice walking down the street in New York. It was a great, it was a great mm. moments in my life seeing Alan fucking Ruck. Thanks for joining us on this one, guys. Uh, uh, this this sort of uh, I'm not gonna, I'm group not therapy lie. It was session. A little bit tough. It was a tough one, um, but we weren't. We were, but but again, we were uh, much to this thing of this. You know, the the idea of this podcast. This is supposed to be a cult classic film, and uh, and we have revisited and it revisited a, a big pile yeah. of shit oh, onto God. our faces. And I think it's important for us to remember how great we are for calling it bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. High five, guys. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Oh, what? Come on. Do that one again. No, fuck this. All right. Fuck this movie off. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, <laughs> let me wrap this thing up. Um, sorry. Uh, thanks I'm my cats. As, I'm my cats. Thanks as always. Thanks as always to Jeremy from the Jackie Winter Group for allowing us to use this wonderful recording space. Uh, Go to check out their podcast. It's called Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. Uh, We're on Instagram at Deja Review Podcast. We're Deja underscore review on Twitter. And you can email us at hello at Deja Review podcast.com um and yeah look if you like us uh, probably not this episode um uh, just uh, tell someone about it um and um and yeah look uh, i've been mike cairns over there is kane porkchop daniel farewell and over there is seb seabass Godfrey. don't let the podcast hit your ass on the way out <laughs> bye bye, bye.